This episode is brought to you by the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Learn more at slashandcast.net. Yeah, you caught me, dude. I think I'm dying here, man. Welcome to the 3B Video Deep Cut Podcast. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> Aw, yeah. It's that time again for another bi-weekly podcast with your hosts, Rotten Roger DeMarco and... How sweet, fresh meat, evil dead inks. In the boiler room this week, not the back room. And you got the red light to match, even though (laughs) this is just an audio podcast. (laughs) This is just my regular light in this room, but it's more appropriate. (laughs) Everything should be neon green. It's not, maybe not necessarily we're in the boiler room this week, but more like in a a rave club. (laughs) Yeah, put some techno music to this movie and it might fit better. I love this movie. I have professed my love. For this movie yeah. over and over and over again and I will continue to do so um, you know we talked about it two weeks ago when we said we're about to get into that territory of pop culture icon Freddy Krueger we're here and we've we've finally arrived and uh, it ain't Dr. Seuss no it's the fat boys and uh, <laughs> hosting MTV hours and getting like I think in Los Angeles they had a we proclaim this Freddy Krueger day. Like they're wow. <laughs> celebrating a child molester murder in Los <laughs> Angeles, the city of sin. This movie also got him his syndicated TV show. Yeah, go ahead and rewind that. Listen to me say that again. Fred Krueger has a syndicated TV show, and uh, coming from the Freddy fandom icon, everything here. It is not a great show. <laughs> <laughs> it it really isn't. Uh, Evil and I give episodes of that show a chance frequently, and uh, they a lot of them fall flat. But it's fun the fun the ambition we have because we'll forget about it and we'll be like we're gonna watch a we'll we'll get together and like we're gonna watch a bunch of episodes we're gonna burn through a season today and three episodes later we're like ah, I don't want to do I'm, anymore. <laughs> My head hurts. I'm bored. I want to go home. Like, no, it's just not really a good time. It's a it's a morphine drip fever, high fever television show. Like, you, you feel mm-hmm. like you might be sick and losing your mind when you're watching it. And it's funny because I have rose-colored glasses for it, and I think you do too. And plus, it's, it's Freddy Krueger. I'll still buy the shit out of that if it ever gets released in Blu-ray. Like, I will own it first day fighting people to get my hands on it, mm-hmm. even though it's like, oh... God. Maybe if it ever gets a proper release and the quality is better, we might be able to stomach them. Yeah, that's more. <laughs> that's the problem with these. It's just the the grainy quality of it. You're still yeah. you're looking through rose-colored glasses as you're talking about it. Mhm. <laughs> you want to like it so much. I do. And I remember I, I remember watching watching it as a kid and and I think it was mainly the commercials and the opener, and yeah. every time he, we, you know, right, but like right when we would come back from a commercial, that's all the stuff I love. Yeah, I we, don't necessarily love any of the other bullshit. We remember all the highlights. We don't remember all the, the drudgingness we had to get through in between all these little uh, segments. Right, but uh, that whole TV series, uh, it got its Freddie got his look from the Part Four film. 
the Elm Street house is the set from the Part 4 film. So, uh, it is kind of a weird tie-in. They almost belong together, although Freddy's Nightmares kind of tarnishes the legacy of Elm Street 4, I guess. Because, to me, plot or no, Elm Street 4 is just so much fun that it's it really is my... I would like to watch a Freddy movie. Movie. Yeah, it hits on every like uh, cylinder of what we define as a popcorn movie. It's mm-hmm. riding the success of part three and continuing the story, at least for a little bit, of what's left of the Dream Warriors going into four. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah, we get uh, Rennie Harlan getting his kind of big break solely because Bob Shea thought he was a big guy and could work around the clock. And right. uh, no idea he was bringing in his own kind of style, which would be uh, propel him to do stuff like Die Hard 2 and Cliffhanger. Like, really kind of propelled him into doing uh, bigger bigger things, all with, starting with uh, this flick right here. Yeah, started with uh, Elm Street 4, and then oddly enough, he went over and did some stuff. Uh, either, either it was Empire or was... Um Full Moon. He did some stuff for Charlie Band and did Prison. And, yes. you know, Rennie Harlan at the time, he was this struggling uh, screenwriter, bum. director, whatever you want to call him. <laughs> yeah, essentially a bum, you know, crashing on people's couches and Eating tuna and whatnot. Out of cans. And uh, guys like Bob Shea and uh, Richard Band, or Charles Band, gave him, Richard is the composer, Charles yeah. Band, gave him. Uh, you know, a place to stay and and furniture and got him gigs. And, man, he did a great job on this movie. Uh, when you watch some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, like, as you do, and <laughs> as we, we kind of <laughs> see um, that this might have been a very ambitious project for him because if you really pay attention to some of the B-roll and behind-the-scenes footage... <laughs> Uh, actors are frustrated. Uh, stunt performers are frustrated with him, and I think it also is partially because English is not his first language. That doesn't help at all. Yeah. Yeah, something lost in translation there, perhaps. But he does a great job. Yeah. What's on screen is good. What? Well, yeah. He 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 knocked it out the park. But yeah, it was a super ambitious uh, filming schedule. This came out a year later, at most, from part mm-hmm. three. And I know they were saying that they had the poster design done up before they even had the film finished. And they were even filming stuff, I think, two weeks prior to their release. And I think, like, Howard Berger was like, I think the movie comes out in, like, half a month, like, and we're still shooting stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the way you did it, man. Back in the day, it was Wild Wild West. Let's make a poster, get everybody excited, and we'll figure out the rest of the bullshit later. And there's something really admirable about that. Could you fucking imagine? I mean, I guess we kind of do that now. Like, they'll they'll have like a teaser poster for like X Men, and it'll be like metal with like a big X, and it'll be like coming soon. And then everybody that walks by it in the theater fucking collectively busts a nut in their pants, like oh god. And they probably don't even have a frame of digital film shot. Uh, I mean, yeah, this is. I don't know. This is a, on in a different level to me because this is mm-hmm. again, it's the uh, part four's poster is a hand drawn poster. From the same guy that's been doing the the previous ones. And it's got a lot of interesting things in it. It's got the uh, junkyard background. It's got the hole Freddy's going to come out of from the from the, the junkyard. 
Got this big mm. oversized head of Freddy, kind of like how the Part 3 one looks with this blue hand with spikes around the wrist is pulling at his face and just a lot of kind of stuff going on there and you're like um okay i guess uh, we're making this <laughs> I, that poster art dude uh I, again two weeks ago we talked about this but the early posters for elm street one two three four um just gorgeous like this is what you and i both love about movie covers and posters is that hand drawn or hand painted like a lot of love went into it and you look at it and it just it's like a fucking tractor beam it's so hard to explain to someone who didn't grow up in a video store culture but like you would look at that and the sides of the box had like the orange and the white lettering you know and you just you just get fucking drawn and you're like what you got it you got to rent it you just have to yeah it's it's, it's uh i don't know, I mean, it just appeals to us is that we just like that the you can tell hours went into uh, the production of this poster as opposed to you know a couple hours at most Minutes. you know throwing some shit together yeah on the, on the computer it's like ah it's kind of slapdash kind of thing. Mm-hmm. This, you could tell, took a long time to get done, and care and time was put into into doing it. Uh, and you don't have... And there's, and there's... Outside of, you know, Freddy's kind of floating head there getting torn apart by this hand, you don't have, you know, any casts uh, right. members on the poster. You don't have the traditional floating heads, as we talk about on there. It's just kind of just a... It's, own, it's, it's a standalone kind of piece of art. But... Now that you mention that, um, it does seem kind of fitting that Freddy is the only thing really prominently featured <laughs> on this cover because, like we discussed a few weeks back and a few weeks before that and a few weeks before that, this is the complete shift of it isn't, you know, Patricia Arquette, Ken Sagos, and Robert England. It is yeah. Robert England as Freddy. Followed by, you know, Rodney Eastman, Ken Sagos, fucking Tuesday night, whatever. Like, yeah, you get Robert before the title. And yeah, we, yeah. and it start and yeah, that starts in this movie. And yeah, with the posters, it's uh, in the three previous poster designs, there is uh, Dream Warriors. Uh, Jesse is in part one, Nancy is in the original. And now it's like, we, none of those, like, here, here's the visual, like, it's showing you the shift. Like, now it's the Freddy show. And when you get to part five, it's just Fred Krueger. And when you get to six, ninety percent of that's Fred Krueger. They do put a two a, Freddies. Yeah, they put a, a yeah. I'm thinking of the traditional. He's like driving the bus, and yeah, you got the traditional <laughs> poster. But I'm thinking of the artwork one they did later for part six, where you get uh, a woman sleeping in a bed at the bottom of that poster. So you get a little mm. bit of, of reprieve there, and you go into seven, and he's still. Still, uh, the main focus, the only focus. So, this is the official <laughs> shift in in more ways than one. That this is the Freddy Show now. Yep, because we are we are marketing to the audience that they would like to see a Freddy film, a Freddy heavy film. That was kind of tough to say. Freddy heavy film. But you know, with this film, um, Tuesday Night steps in and takes over the role of Kristen. No idea why, because we've heard we talked about. I, we I've, I've heard different reasons for uh, between Patricia wanted more money, 
Uh, right. They wanted to pay her less money. Probably that seems the most likely. She had other work going on, or she was pregnant. There was like three or four different stories floating around, and I don't know who's got the the right one on uh, why she didn't return. Mm. But yeah, she st- uh, Tuesday night steps in, does an okay job, which is which is funny because I love this movie so much, but I'm not the biggest Tuesday night fan. I, I just feel like she's not as good. As Patricia Arquette, but who is? You know, Patricia Arquette is amazing. But luckily, Tuesday night doesn't stick around long because <laughs> Elm Street has this kind of motif. Like, if you make it through the previous film, you're going to get bumped off. Or at least right here in this middle. of the, And they do that in four, and then they do that in five. Where a previous cast member gets bumped off lickety split. Uh, yeah, but five we get away with uh, Lisa Wilcox's character uh, technically lives through the series and, and gets away. Uh, mm-hmm. This is also, I think, this is where the shift and the the rift, uh, I should say, also takes place between Wes and New Line Cinema. Because Wes was one of the writers, the, one of the main writers for part three, and wrote the script, had all mostly his characters. And then I think that's where the fallout happened going into four. Which wasn't repaired until uh, New Nightmare. And it right. might have been, you know, a thing of, uh, well, we're definitely fucked the people that were in his uh, last movie. We're going to bring them over, sure, but we got to just not, just bump them off super quick. Boom, 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 boom. Get them out of the way. Get our new people in there. Yeah, and it it works. But, you know, now, now that we're older, like, sure, I'd like to see a little bit more of uh, Rodney Eastman and Ken Sagos, for sure. Like, Man, they they do Rodney Eastman super dirty. He's got like four lines in this movie. <laughs> this well, like, I mean, how many lines did he have in the previous movie? Two. Yeah. So he's no! doubled his work. Yeah. <laughs> so so quit, um, he can shut up and quit bitching. He's getting more work now. <laughs> uh, but it's clever how he, it. That's that's an iconic shot of how he goes as he's in a waterbed. Finally, there's a waterbed really representing 1980s culture uh, mm-hmm. with uh, sleeping. And you have a backlit waterbed, which is super strange. And he gets uh, pulled, or Freddie bursts through this waterbed, and which which stops him from being able to use his voice power if it's still a thing they're even tempting to do. They don't seem to really utilize uh, dream powers of the original warriors in this. Right. We don't see. I mean, we do see Ken Sagos push a car over. Yeah, <laughs> but I feel he could do that <laughs> on his right. own anyway. Uh, but we don't get to see him do super strength. We don't get to see, yeah, Rodney Eastman uh, speak in a deafening tone, and we get no gymnastics work from Tuesday night. Yeah, none. So that is kind of weird. It was like, uh, you remember that stuff from the Dream Warriors? Never mind. You can't do that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, fun little side note: the lady who is in the waterbed, the the naked poster lady. Yeah. She she is one of the leads in Slumber Party Massacre 3. I knew you'd be she, like, I know those breasts. Well, and uh, she doesn't show her breasts in Slumber Party Massacre 3, um, but she she was a stunt woman or something of that nature. You would have to be to do this kind of stunt. Like it, It's worrisome. Yeah, be underwater a whole bunch. Yeah, um, and have a plastic like cover like <laughs> blocking your way out. 
I can't breathe. But because uh, she did a stunt in Slumber Party Massacre Three where she got thrown through a sliding glass door, oh, and yeah. when I was covering Slumber Party Massacre Three, I started deep diving into all these people, and I'm like, "Wow, that's the girl from Elm Street Four. So that's just been in my brain for a couple of years now. If only we could have, if only we could have got the nurse to make a return and be in the waterbed. That'd have been fantastic. <laughs> like he has like a, <laughs> like he has like a love note, like from her like a postcard on the side of his bed like because he's officially at the hospital he's better now and it's her just like uh, congrats for getting out and stuff and he still just thinks about her and there she comes back in the waterbed that had been <laughs> that had been tying a bit maybe a bit too much back so, like we don't want to do that Wes Craven movie now mm-hmm. we, we don't like him at the moment man uh, that whole thing between Bob Shea and Wes is bothersome but because Wes is a story man and Bob is a money man yeah, for sure. And uh, you can definitely tell in this film, because I already brought it up, Like the story is fairly absent. This movie is just a movie of set piece, kill, set piece, kill. Uh, you know, give Freddy some fun one-liners. And also, light it really funky. You know, give it that <laughs> Italian lighting just because. Uh, yeah, we talked about it the, in the last episode of how neon green is just associated with this film for me. I see neon green lights. I'm like, yep, I'm feeling Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4 for sure. <laughs> but, um, you know, unlike some other uh, franchises, I still feel some connection to the characters we get introduced to that are new in this one. Like, I yeah. I, I like Dan. I know I'm a, I feel like I'm in the, we're in the minority. I really like Dan. Uh, he just seems like a nice do, yeah. guy. A lot of people give him shit for just being like a, a Neanderthal goofy guy, but I'm like, I like Dan. Dan's a good guy. I like Rick. Yeah, Rick's my favorite. <laughs> Rick is awesome. Uh, Alice. Yeah, everybody. Debbie. They're all just still uh, unique characters, and we get a little bit of kind of a backstory, just character development with all of them. They're not just faces. Mm-hmm. As Bob yeah. Kelso would say, listen up, faces. No, we actually have <laughs> different people uh, portraying yeah. them, and we can tell. With different phobias and, and things of that nature, which come back to haunt them. And uh, that is one thing that I've always loved about this movie. And I know, I, or I didn't know about it until we watched the Never Sleep Again, how um Rick's death was supposed to be like way more elaborate and fucking super cool and you're supposed to have like a kung fu fight with Freddy and all this stuff. Yeah. And he just shows up to shoot one day and they're like, "Hey, we filmed your death scene yesterday." Like, "What? My death scene?" How? Then the same you film that? Then the same shit happened in the next movie with Mark. Like Mark he shows up and they're like, "You died yesterday." Like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How what? Okay. Well, um, the the thing I can tie into that is I just remembered this is also when that fight was going on. They were also not sure how to finish the movie, like how to kill mm. off Freddy, because at the same time all this is going on, there's also a writer's strike that's about to take effect. So people are scrambling to get uh, an ending to this movie on top of, you know, building characters and an overarching story uh, for the film right. is they're battling the time to get it done before the, all these writers go, I'm out. Yeah, and we got it. I mean, as far as endings go, uh, I know I already talked about how I think that two has the weakest ending in the series. You know, let's give him a kiss and he'll spontaneously combust or whatever. Love hurts, man. But with this film, 
I'm not overly sold on the Freddy sees his reflection and it kills him because he fucking appears in mirrors and does all kinds of shit in the previous film. But <laughs> literally a whole scene where he's in a hall of mirrors. Yeah, directly across from one another. So yeah, he should be. He just should be ripping himself apart in the last movie <laughs> if that's the logic. Right, but uh, not so much the mirror. Like the them that mirror shit. It's not that awesome. But what happens after is awesome. All the souls freeing themselves from him. That's one of my all-time favorite sequences. Um, you know, they use this big, giant, oversized Freddy puppet, and then they used real Robert, and, the, you know, all of these crazy things that they did to make this sequence work. And it's just, like, when you're watching it, you're like, yeah, fuck him up. Like, you, there's like a... He's, tur- he's turning against himself. The evil's turning yeah. against himself. I would, uh, like, I would just combine, if I could, the two, like... Uh, bury him in sacred ground from part three. Get them, give me the whole burial bit. But instead of him twirling and going up into a bunch of gold light, rotoscoped gold light. Yeah, like once he gets the cross on his head, that's when the all the souls. Because we get introduced to the souls in part three. What mm-hmm. better way than to have all those souls turn against him and rip him from the inside out at the end of that movie? That would yeah. combine both of them, and then you got the the ultimate vanquishing of Freddy. Uh, to mm-hmm. me. Uh, but yeah, that I like that. That makes has a has a, a sense to it. Like, oh, okay, yeah, that that works for me. Uh, something that doesn't quite work for me is uh, Sheila's death. Oh, you're not a big fan of that one, huh? I I, I mean I, I can't hardly find anything bad to say about uh, stuff in this film. But if I'm thinking about it, what the fuck is going on there? What the hell comes out of her desk that and attacks her face? I don't know, some little cyberpunk robot rigmarole. That whole like what the fuck is that? Yeah, that robot thing is weird and I feel like that's Rennie Harlan going, "What well, they have a have a robot hand to come out of the, the desk there." I don't know what accent that was, but I finished clearly. <laughs> yeah, I'm clearly a great uh, you can, finish impersonator. You can tap into that finish accent like it, like that. Just bam, you got it. Al- allow me to finish my thought. Mm. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, just the best part of that sequence is when Freddy grabs her and literally like sucks her soul out of her. Man, that like the face that she's making when he pulls away from her, and it's. It's obviously a dummy, right? Yeah. But, like, dude, you know what it looks like? And it just clicked in my brain. It looks like the bride in Serpent in the Rainbow when she lifts the veil and the fucking, like, the python shoots out of the face. <laughs> That's what she looks like. It's fucking scary. It, it, it is. It's good. It's a, it, it's a weird kind of callback also to the original. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a kill that is could be disguised as just a... Uh, Happenstance death, mm-hmm. fatal asthma. So yeah, I like I like the uh, build up to Sheila's actual death. The whole thing coming out of the death thing is fucking weird. I would really love is. to know what the hell the explanation is on what the hell happened to Rick. Did he just blow up from a massive shit in the bathroom <laughs> or what? Because we see him go into the toilet, go to take a shit fall asleep on the toilet and then, yeah we get the whole fight sequence uh in the dream but mm-hmm. when we go back smash cut back to reality 
Alice is just in a classroom, knows that Rick just died, and then a window blows up next to the class. I'm like, so what happened to Rick? I don't think the window blowing up has anything to do with what happened to Rick's body in the real world. I think uh, with Alice, there's a lot of, it's almost like a, you know, that psychic connection with previous victims. So there's always something She's like... she got some carry powers, you think? Yeah, there's, there's always something like external in the world around her that happens when each character dies. Uh, when Debbie gets mooshed, you know, she kind of has like a... Yeah, she has like a body motion thing, but the truck yeah, like is still fine. like a mild heart attack. Yeah, so, but yeah, so I don't, I don't know, and maybe it's... I always thought the bathroom just blew up. <laughs> like he had a... He had a truck driver shit that just yeah. boom. Everybody out of this bathroom. I'm about to blow it up. <laughs> yeah, that's, no, but that's why it's a closed casket. When <laughs> we see Rick's funeral, we don't see the body because it's just in pieces, covered in shit. I just imagine, yeah, he just died in his sleep on the toilet. So they're like, well, he died of exhaustion. You know, <laughs> well, that makes which less, could be that makes less sense than a 17 year old fatal asthma. Like he just died well, from stre- from a stressful poo. Well, he was tired. He was exhausted because he hadn't been sleeping, and that coach was running him ragged. So that could fall back on the school, like, yeah, you know, he's pushing us a little hard in wrestling practice or whatever. But um, I mean, it could. But I mean, he's, I mean, seventeen. Like, did you even need to sleep when you were seventeen? No, no, not at all. Yeah. But one of my all-time favorite sequences in this movie doesn't even have anything to do with Freddy, really. Uh, again, because I saw this film at such a young age, and uh, I've talked about it previously, that as a kid, I kind of used horror as a uh, a coping mechanism for real-life trauma, whether that be, um, you know, parental stuff or deaths in the family, things of that nature. And so, like, I, I have, like, a really weird grasp on death as a child, and... I used to like think about family members who passed away and like almost daydream that they were sitting in the chair next to me, you know, and like things like that. And so the sequence when they're at Rick's grave and Rick opens up the coffin and is talking to her like that hit like home on so many levels. It's not even funny. And I think we all want that. Like we all think about that when we're at a funeral or whatever, like, God, if they could just, like, sit up and say, like, hey, man, it's all good. Or whatever. You know, one more. Oh, just give me one more goddamn sentence oh, so yeah. I can be okay with this. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, like that scene is, like, I'm getting misty-eyed right now just fucking thinking about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, can't, can't deny there's there's definitely even ten years after uh, losing somebody, I'd still give about anything for one last uh, few-minute conversation bits mm-hmm. but uh you've got a you've got several kind of uh emotional uh stories and ties to this movie uh would you want to uh share yet one more time the tale of how you acquired one of the most gnarly props in film history that is currently still in your possession i haven't killed you and taken it yet but <laughs> uh i do have an overarching plan of uh sabotaging you one day a <laughs> betrayal <Yeah>. five food. <laughs> Food poisoning. Uh, yeah, so what Evil is referring to is um, I've, I've made a couple of videos in the vein of this on the YouTube channel, but as a kid, 
probably around the time I was 14, 15. It's, it's in that ballpark area. I have a real hard time pinpointing the exact moment that this happened. But I used to get on the slow-as-shit internet and oh, look man. up uh, celebrities' um, home addresses so I could mail them fan mail. Because uh, we did a thing in school one time where they gave us a list of celebrities and we could mail fan mail. And one time I mailed uh, some fucking shitty baseball player a, a letter and I don't even watch baseball. And I got back a, a signed 8 by 10 So I was like, I can do this and maybe I'll get an autograph. You know, so I started deep diving on the Internet and and finding people's addresses. And so I wrote... Uh, a handful of letters to multiple people from horror films. And I sent Kevin Yeager a letter and I was expressing how I really wanted to go to Tom Savini school. And I was, you know, mildly talented at, at these things that I, you know, and a quick, quick uh, bit. If anyone doesn't know, uh, who is Kevin Yeager? Kevin Yeager is a super famous makeup effects artist who did a lot of a <laughs> super lot famous of to stuff. us. <laughs> yeah, but he also, you know, is primarily responsible for a handful of really good things in the Elm Street franchise. So, I sent him this letter and kind of, you know, like a about a two-page letter which felt like I was writing a novel as a kid, you know, and just kind of professing like, "Hey, I I do this, I do that." Um Yada yada, and I send a really, really shitty mask thing that I had made. I had attempted to make a Michael Myers mask, and it was bad. But as a 14, 15 year old kid, I thought I was the shit, you know? So I mail this thing out to him, and the I feel like it's summer. Like, I'm almost positive it's summer, and I'm, like, out doing things every day and uh, come home one day, and Mom's like, you've got a, you've got a package. I'm like, well, okay. Now, and also clarification, this is also when we didn't get mail all the yeah, time. Yeah, we were kids, yeah. And, yeah, packages were, like, the holy grail. Like, Amazon yeah. wasn't a thing. Like, packages didn't just show up at the door. So when a package shows up, you're like, what could this Call be? Call the yeah, neighbors. We're going to have an opening. <laughs> so so I get this uh, box, you know, and, and have my mom help me cut it open because I, I don't even think she even trusted me with scissors at the time. And, you know, first of all, there's a letter in there. And uh, I wish to God I still had this letter. It was a cease and desist? <laughs> yeah. Like, don't do not do this anymore. No, I, um, I've had – I've lived through multiple floods and a lot of my horror stuff when we had our first kid got put down in the basement and I'm 99% sure that's in the like let's just scoop it out with snow shovels and throw it away but I get this letter and it's pretty much like hey man uh, you know this is a great age to start anybody can do this you know just keep at it keep at it really like encouraging and it's like you know uh anybody can do this type of thing and and uh, I want you to stay at it. I want you to stay focused and and really go for it. And it's like, if I can do it, anybody can. 
something to that effect at the end of this letter. And in this box is <clears throat> is a hero glove from Nightmare on Elm Street 4. And it's like, in the letter, it's like, this was on Elm Street 4. Uh, you know, there was only a handful of them made. And it's like, just keep doing it. Just keep doing your thing. And And... So I just fucking lost my shit, and I've had this glove ever since, and it's been 20-something years since it got in my possession. Uh, yeah, and if you watch some of our some of our past YouTube videos, it, it makes a, an occasional pop-up here and there. So when you see it, you're mm-hmm. like, that's the that's the hero glove. It looks and feels like it, too. I've tried it, tried it on, of course. Who? How could I not? <laughs> uh, when it the was, pinky is weird. The pinky on... Uh, the pinky, I think, on every Freddy glove is fucked up. Like every replica I've ever put on, I've got two on my desk right now, and both times I've tried to wear it, like the pinky never fucking works right. <laughs> yeah, just, so I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's just part of the makeup of, of it, I guess. We've tried to like match it because Evil and I will—we're the type of people who will watch Elm Street Four over and over and over again, and just to try and figure out where this particular glove was used. And him and I have both kind of theorized. Is it the glove that he touches Sheila's face with? Is it the glove from the final showdown in the church? I don't know. Um, I had sent Sean Clark some pictures a few years back. And uh, there was no like further investigation. I was like, I think you're the guy. And he, he's like, just ask Kevin. And I'm like, I don't. That feels weird. Like I don't know. I don't want to reach out to Kevin Yeager. I mean, I think I'm it's, scared. I think it's time we do that because right because one we just need to know if uh, if it is really true that this is. I've, and I have no doubt that it is one of the gloves from Part Four. But uh, if you could recall where it was, mm-hmm. can we get more autographs from you? And just <laughs> include in that. Uh, well, I didn't keep on making masks, but I did go on and do this, and here's a copy of Tapehead. So, uh, shit, maybe he'll send that that bust that he has in like his office of Freddy getting pulled apart by uh, the souls that we've seen on some of the behind-the-scenes <laughs> stuff. <laughs> He's got so much cool shit. Uh, Kevin Yeager, do you want to come to my birthday party? We're going to have pizza and cake. I think we should just call him and get him on the show. I feel like he would do do the show. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna we're gonna get Kevin Yeager on the show, and you also have a piece of screen used uh, <laughs> memorabilia from this yeah, film. If, if Raj has the Holy Grail of uh, uh, props from Part Four, I've got the uh, participation award <laughs> level <laughs> of it because <laughs> I've had to just buy mine outright uh, off of uh, eBay. And it's super insignificant, but it's it's got its authenticity cards and shit with it. But it's literally just a few strings of the sweater uh, from being. I'm not, and I'm not sure if that's uh, being torn apart. I'm assuming torn apart from the uh, either the giant Freddy chest of souls that is used, or uh, torn apart during the whole end sequence. But I feel like it's got to probably be from that. But I've got some strands of the uh, screen used sweater. From Nightmare Four, so we both have props, but yeah, you have the Holy Grail, and I've got the Participation Award. They are glorious. You know what you should do? I don't know why I just thought of this. Um, Evil's wife does a lot of like 
uh, like she'll make, or no, well she'll she'll make you like hats. Like you oh. have the, your Elm Street your Elm Street colored hat. You should have her make you a hat, but use those strands. Weave it in. Oh, yeah, I and then you literally be wearing Freddy's sweater. I couldn't do it because I have a tendency to lose things. So I just took those strands. I put it in with the all all the. Uh, pictures, the screen production shots, and the uh, authenticity letter, and actually just lumped it in with one of the uh, original art pieces from Anya, who did our original artwork for the YouTube channel, and just framed it all up and have it in the bedroom, so it's just nice. on the wall forever. I'm never going to do anything else with it, but just look at it and go, there it was. I, I, had a, I had a list of some things I needed to get for Elm Street memorabilia, and then I could safely say I don't need, need didn't say want, need, I can stop uh, my quest for things. And it was to get that OG Part 2 poster again and to get me some original screen-used prop from any of the damn movies. So now that I've got it, uh, journey complete, quest one. <laughs> no, no, I'll be, we'll be on the hunt for more screen-used props. Uh, oh, I definitely won't turn down, I won't turn down more stuff, but I don't feel like, just, I don't have that need. Like, I need right, that this desire. before I die. <laughs> now it's like bonus points time. Speaking of dying, uh, let's go back to Freddy's resurrection in this film. <laughs> Piss fire. I know, right. I know we've we've talked about this because we, we were on the Cult 45 podcast and we were kind of discussing different aspects of these films. And uh, there's some there's some theorizing. Because some people say that you know the that the resurrection that happens in this film is uh, is more meaningful than what I take it for. There's all this, <laughs> and I'm like, what do I think of it? A dog pissed fire and the earth cracked open. Like it's stupid. It's I don't know what the fucking sim- symbolism is there. It's stupid as shit, but I love every second of it. I work backwards. Uh, I, well, I work forwards to, to then work backwards, so my explanation would not come until 2003. So since Kristen still has the fear for Freddy, once mm. she starts bringing that shit back up uh, to the other Dream Warriors, that's when, and Ken Sagos starts thinking about it again, that's when his fear starts creeping back in. So once it's said and the fear starts up just a little bit, that's when a resurrection can occur because Ken Sagos ain't fucking worried about shit until mm-hmm. Kristen starts having dreams, pulling him into it, talking about he's coming back. And he's, of course, Ken is, his character is, like, he's dead, signed, and sealed. But mm-hmm. he might subconsciously have that in the back of his mind going, man, what the fuck if? And then things unroll and there it is. Yeah, but as far as the whole dog pissing fire, that's just bizarre. <laughs> It is overly bizarre. There you go, Rennie Harlan, you crazy, crazy bastard. I would love to see the audience reaction in 1988 then of, like, this dog just lifts his leg and fire piss everywhere. The hidden dog pisses out fire. (laughs) Yep, we were like, that's the dog from the hidden. Damn right. And the ground cracks open, which this is one of my all-time favorite things ever, Uh, reverse photography. Oh, yes, the reassembling. I love it so much. Like, uh, so much so that I even had to do a reverse photography shot in our movie. Like, it's one of those things that I was like, 
I need to do this. I want to do this. Uh, I love the fact that they basically had a uh, a wax. They kind of did the same shit they did in part two. They have like a wax Kruger bust, and they just heat it up and time lapse it, and then reverse that footage. So it's like the, all that liquid is like pulling up and reforming. Sure, you could do that with CGI, and and it would look like shit, you know. But you could do it. <laughs> uh, but there is no substitute for that wax sculpture reassembling and then cutting away and then cutting back to real Robert, like or or to an animatronic. I think it's an yeah, animatronic, the animatronic turning its head. I can almost hear the robot gears turning on the head. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Sierra Connor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I need <laughs> and your clothes, your boots, and your dreams. <laughs> you forgot to say please. But yeah, so we get Kruger out of the ground in this junkyard, which is the, the ground setting. <laughs> <laughs> He's coming out of the ground. <laughs> Tremors one reference. Uh deep cut. But you know, this this is a, a place. That we really only get to visit in Elm Street 3 and 4 is this junkyard. And it is central to, uh, you know, Freddy's demise, his earthly demise, because his bones were buried there. I really wish we went back in multiple. I mean, we always go back to the boiler room, we go back to the sanitarium uh, where uh, Amanda Kruger was raped and Freddy was conceived, but we don't ever go back to this junkyard and boy what a set piece dude oh I love it it's scary it's fucking run down you got cool beams of light and dust and that whole sequence of Freddy kind of playing it's like he's playing hide and seek you know he's trying to hunt for Kincaid and when he is in the shadows and the light just hits his eyes and he's yeah <sighs> he's making those weird <sighs> fucking noises yeah. Yeah, I love that. Like I make the same noises when I get out of bed. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the point at the beginning of this film cuz the tone we're not quite sure of what tone we're getting. And you know, we get the dog pissing fire, we're like haha. And then we first get Kruger. And that's the first kill in the film is Kincaid's kill. And if you were to judge the tone of this film off of Kincaid's kill, you would go, well, he's still pretty scary. You know, I mean... Pretty scary, and man, did I feel like Kincaid got short-shifted. Like, it's just a, this is a smash cut to him, like, realizing he's in a world of a junkyard, and then, bam, he's getting the fucking blades uh, stuck in his gut. Maybe one of the mm -hmm. last times that Kruger kills somebody with his claw. Yeah, we were. I was gonna bring that up too, for sure. Yeah, yeah. he starts using other tactics to kill folks. This is maybe one of the last times he uses the actual uh, claw to commit uh, murder. But uh, you're a roach. Yeah. So how do you feel about that shot? Since uh, we're, I know we'll get to that roach here in a in a hot minute. But talking about practical and visual effects, how do you like that visual effect of that pullout of Kincaid in the junkyard? And it kind of show. It goes back and shows like a shot of the globe. And the globe is just this giant fucking junkyard. Oh, I love that. That's there you go. Matte paintings, you know, things like that, really kind of elevate a movie. And again, sure, 
nowadays you could just CGI junkyard forever, forever, forever. Doesn't doesn't look as good. No, it doesn't. It doesn't feel the same. And that pullout. Yeah, just kiss, it's, dude. It's, it's yeah, it's almost seamless. And right there with it is something I still can't figure out, even to to this day. Is <laughs> the uh, is the uh, pickup truck uh, smash? Because we get the sh- we get the looping. We get Alice and Dan in the truck. Alice is falling asleep and sees that Freddy's in the middle of the road. Uh, I always like the cool shot of him is standing in the middle of the road too. Mm-hmm. And the camera comes up real close. Yeah, she's just gonna fucking s- just roll over him, just smash into him. Jason goes the hell his style. Ticket in, <laughs> and she smashes into it, and you just get this shot of the car like wrapping around invisible nothingness. Mm-hmm. And it shows, of course, she wakes up and they hit a tree. But I always thought it looked really wild how they didn't hit something, but it looked like they hit something. And it's a real truck. Yeah, to be honest with you, the only thing that I can think of, again, is reverse photography, like with uh, John Carpenter's Christine. Like they smashed it and pulled it back kind of thing? Uh, yeah, like everything was kind of on like, uh, what am I trying to say? Fucking hydraulics or whatever? Like, So they just, yeah, smash it and then they like, they pull it in. They use pressure to pull that dent in. And then they run it backwards, but now that now that I say that out loud, it doesn't seem like it would work because the truck in my brain is is in motion when that shot happens. Yeah, like it, so, it could totally be they just smash cut and it's already got that uh, that damage to the truck and they just pull it like it was hit backwards and maybe mind just wants to think it made contact with something before it uh, like had the reaction of hitting something but uh, however it is it still looks a million times better like in in uh, uh to compare it to another thing that uh, uh doesn't work with computer graphics is uh Constantine as we see the dude digging up the uh the spear in Constantine and he gets hit by a truck and it's very uh computer graphic-y and <laughs> doesn't look there's no realness to it as opposed mm-hmm. to this, where it's completely the opposite. Yeah. Things were better back in the day, that's all I'm going to say. Things were just better, just plain and yeah. simple. And then, we, yeah, we have the more visual awesome effects. Screaming Mad George doing his fucking thing. We get Debbie turning into a goddamn roach. Mm-hmm. Which, again, uh, they use some rear projection type stuff. I with love that. that. The giant eye. <laughs> oh, God. It's perfect. Uh, <laughs> those are the types of things... That uh, they just sit, you know. You know what I'm saying? We're gonna make it that sits. stick. They sit. They make my butthole wet. Like that's the type of thing when I, I look at that and I go, I mean, how fucking genius! It is just it's genius to be like we're gonna put a big fucking theater screen on the other side of this prop box that we built, and you just time out your acting. But you're seeing it in real time. That's the difference with green screen yep. and or computer animation. Like this is, I get to act real time with this giant eyeball. And, yeah, and the movement of it because we see it moving because it's what we're seeing is that she's in a roach motel and Freddy's is walking around holding it like it's a actual size roach motel. And then we get, I did not realize this would be the debate. It is. 
but it's been a debate <laughs> at the house, and I'm not—I can't remember if it's a debate with with you or not. But the kill of Debbie is she's in the mm-hmm. Roach Motel, she's stuck in the glue. We get the shot of Freddie holding it, and he squeezes it and crushes the box, and we see some type of goo, liquid Apple goo, juice, baby, hot, warm liquid goo phase. This goo shoot out of the end of the box. And it's been debated, at least between the wife and I, she thinks that's Debbie's like guts or something. Like that's 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 gore shooting out. And I'm like, no, that's the fucking glue inside the trap. It's totally gore, dude. It's not glue. The glue's <laughs> too thick. The glue is too thick. What comes out of there is almost transparent, like applesauce. Like almost or but not I'm applesauce, like, look- apple juice. I'm like that looks like the glue. I'm like that's just a really a, a fucking shitty fuck. glue trap. Yes, that if you fucking tilt it, it just spills the glue out. I mean, shit, it might. That's why they had the curved edges on those boxes. We don't know how the glue traps were made back in 1988, man. We have super sophisticated ones now, which yeah, they're that's just true. A sticky pads, but I can totally <laughs> buy the like. I look at it, I'm like, that's fucking that's a Roach Motel g- glue, man. <laughs> it is most definitely not, dude. Is it's, it goo or glue? That should be as your subtitle for this episode. And it is goo. Tell us whose side are you on, Roger or <laughs> Evil's goo or glue? Uh, I'm right, you're wrong, and let me tell you why. No, it could totally be uh, viewed either way, but I always thought it was like viscera. I always thought it was like comic booky the way for them to evil dead to it like man if he squeezes that and a bunch of fucking blood shoots out like x-rating you know they were probably like give it a weird color make it weird you know i mean renny it's fucking renny harlan yeah make it weird (laughs) (laughs) you don't sound black enough and make the blood clear (laughs) <laughs> That's another thing we haven't brought up is <laughs> yeah, f- six foot six foot four, yeah, like Finnish guy does, ha- definitely knows how how the black folk talk. <laughs> <laughs> you always sound more like Pam Greer. Talking more <laughs> like a Pam Greer. Yeah, you <laughs> you didn't say jive ass motherfucker at all. You gotta, you gotta call. All boys, honey. Like, <laughs> like, what the fuck is that dude? Where does he get off? Like, cornering Toy Newkirk and being like, "You got to sound more black." Like, <laughs> and I got I only love... in the fucking eighties. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not immediately fired and canceled, and then we never hear from him again. Right. I love. Excuse me, actress. <laughs> I love when I got the I got to share that knowledge with uh, with beat him down from Cole Forty Five because immediately. Uh, I, I I messaged with him uh, here and there on when he was watching the series for the first time, and I yeah. when he got down with four, he had to message and tell me how much he just fell in love with uh, with Sheila Toy New Toy Newkirk, and I was like, I've talked to her a little bit on uh, on Facebook. I have her uh, as a patch on my Elm Street jacket. Hey, did you know that she was told she didn't act black enough for this movie? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? I would love to see Toy Newkirk just chewing fucking Rennie Harlan's ass out. It would be even it'd be more hilarious if like she walked off set and then came back and was in like windbreakers and like, you know, had a high top fade and like was carrying a boombox and was like, This black enough for you? Like, <laughs> oh, what sh- the fuck does what did I, I just don't get it. I don't get it. No. She's I amazing. Don't. Oh no, she's fantastic! I I just fucking love uh, love uh, toys work 
in this, and I would love to see more. Uh, she gets the brown panty award for me, 100%. Oh, yeah, without without a doubt. I completely uh, spaced on, yeah, the, our brown panty achievement. But, yeah, Sheila deserves all the brown panty awards. Uh, let me see them. Let me see them all. Well, she's such a badass, like... Here's the other thing. I mean, we did talk she, about it she, at the beginning. She's the she's the fucking Doc Brown of this school, mm-hmm. man. She's building like high frequency roach repellent. <laughs> yeah, but that's you know, we were talking about how we do get a little bit of time with these characters. Save the uh, the original Dream Warriors; they get bumped off. Yeah, real get them quick. the fuck out of here. But we get some time with Toy Newkirk and with Rick and with Dan. And we kind of start to get uh, familiar with them and who they are and what makes them tick. They're to me, that's where Elm Street differs from all other things. And I talked about it when we talked about the first Elm Street. Is there is a level of character development, even if in this film there is a lack of story per se. Uh, these people are likable. You are in their corner, and and it's weird for you to like the victims be in the victim's corner, but also be rooting for Freddy. It's a very weird... um, Headspace. Yeah, very weird, like, hill to stand on while watching the movie. Like, which side do I lean towards, you know? I'm at the peak of this mountain. I could either be on the side of the victims or the side of the killer. And this is where the movie, the whole franchise, kind of shifts. And even if you have likable characters, you still want Freddy to fucking kill them all. (laughs) I'm just curious what else that she made that uh, Toy Newkirk's character made at home. Like, does she have the <laughs> the the uh, automatic dog feeding uh, tool there? Was she about to make a time machine out of a DeLorean? Did she live close next to next to the the Doc Brown estates? Her, you go into her room and it's like fucking Ernest goes to jail. Like his <laughs> she's house. got a breakfast machine. Yeah, I got the breakfast machine, takes a fucking bath in the washing machine. Like, she's just. She's just super fucking weird. Gotta make this thing for Debbie. Yes, all the love for the Toy Newkirk character. I'd love to see her other inventions at home. Because she's just like, and Debbie hates roaches. I'm going to make this high powered frequency thing that repels roaches for her. Yep. Looks like a goddamn bomb. It re- yeah, you cannot nowadays. You wouldn't be able to bring that in. School. Oh yeah, she's immediately <laughs> <laughs> expelled. Like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> May singer and shit. Like, Shh. I can already see the news department. Like, they tried to pass it off as a roach repellent. <laughs> yeah. yeah, nobody even knows what that is. <laughs> Get that uh, shit out of here. Yeah, and apparently in the dream world, that device, and she just carries that shit around with her while she's in class. Like this thing is hanging off her belt, like like a goddamn Batman accessory. <laughs> but in the dream world, this thing, it, it, if you run a, a power cable through it, it becomes like a proton pack. Yeah, pretty much. I don't So weird. Fires a high-powered laser beam through Freddy's chest. Which was uh, where I wanted to get to next was that whole end sequence. Man, okay, so you got the church, which is amazing set oh, design. love that shit. Oh, so good. Uh, you've got the stained glass window with all the different lights coming in. The, the pews. The fight on the and, pews. Yeah, that whole fight sequence between them. She kicks the shit out of it. <laughs> oh, dude. But here, like, that's another thing that for me is something that uh, 
uh, is nightmare fuel or that I that I have a problem with in my dreams, and I think I talked about it a few weeks back, is how like weak, how absolutely weak I I feel in dreams, and I don't know if that's just my subconscious. Like if I ever were to try to pick something up in a dream, I couldn't, or if I was trying to hit something, I wouldn't be able to hit it hard enough. And in this movie, when she finally squares off against Freddy, Freddy straight up uh, Tyler Durden's her. Like, she's fucking hitting him in the face, and he's just just laughing at her. And to me, that is horrifying. Like, I am giving you all of my opposition. I am putting it all into you, and you could not be less impressed. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that is so scary to me. Like, I am trying to kill you. It's different, like, you know, when you, like, uh, Halloween 4, like, Grady or whatever his fucking name is. Uh, trying to fight Michael at the top of the steps. Like, hits him a couple times, and then no Michael stops it. Yeah, you just no-sell it a couple times, and then snap their neck or whatever. This is different. Kruger <laughs> is selling it, and also laughing in her face. I and just want awesome. that on a loop. Like, can we just put that, like, him getting punched just on a, like a five-minute <laughs> loop? I would... <laughs> yeah. I would fucking love just to see that just on a continual loop. Uh, uh, if that's Sorry. a... If that's a nightmare uh, thing for you, uh, something that I that, that was a, a nightmare realization for me, uh, a crushing one is, I totally believed after this movie that every quiet, super meek girl in high school had like a badass wardrobe accessory kit they just had not yet pulled out. Like, <laughs> I still, to, to this day, have never seen the leather straps over shoes thing done ever anywhere else ever, but I totally felt like every wormy, nerdy, a uh, little girl in school, in high school, has a spiked bracelet in their fucking uh, dresser drawer. They go home and fucking dress up like they're a biker gang. Yeah, like it's totally the it's totally the dominatrix chicks from the movie Tomcats. Like you just hit like a lever on a stuffed animal and it brings the bed up, and you have all these paddles and shit that come out from a, a revolving door. Whoa! You beat the living shit out of me. Catch a glimpse of those warlocks. But I do that whole end sequence. I mean, we already talked about like him tearing himself apart or whatever. But you do get uh, Scream Queen Linnea Quigley's chest attempting to burst yes. out of Kruger's chest. I had her. Awesome. S- I had her sign my Elm Street Blu-ray collection, and uh, I liked that the Zach from Atomic Cotton, our T-shirt affiliate, uh, was there. And he's like, "What was she in this?" I was like, "She was the tits in Freddy's chest <laughs> in Part Four." <laughs> Yep. Push, Linnea. Put your <laughs> chest out, Linnea. We know why you're here. Show us. Yes. But, yeah, dude, that whole finale, top to bottom, amazing. And, again, this this is just one of my all-time favorite movies in general, not just yep. Elm Street films. Very fun, very fast. Uh, this is an any time of day movie, even despite the fact that there is the waterbed sequence, and uh, there's Linnea's breasts in the chest. Like, those things happen so fast, and there's no gratuitous sex or anything, that this movie passes. This is a... You can watch this at 10 o'clock in the morning if you want, and I did it's fine. several for several years. Like, yes. This uh, kind of was like if I knew a big Saturday was coming, we're going to be going out, like shopping and having like going out to eat kind of thing like i'm like i get it before everyone else does anyway like i'm gonna watch this movie kind of set my tone for the day 
yep. and sidebar. I don't know how, what kind of category you fall into if you're like the t- uh, turn on is watching Linnea's uh, tits push through Freddy's chest. Like, right. I don't know what uh, fetish site that belongs in, but it's somewhere. Pornhub, yeah. I'm sure, has a section for it. It's very society esque, which screams <laughs> Mad George. <laughs> society. So. Oh, I am a butthead. <laughs> uh, on that note, uh, I think we've covered the movie for about an hour, so we should probably <laughs> move on to the next segment, Evil. Oh, you mean the the, the dreaded segment uh, when we talk about a movie we love so much as this that uh, we have to look at the folks who just didn't like this movie at all. So much they had to go on to the Zon and tell us, I hate this movie, and here's why. So it's <laughs> time for them old Amazon one-star views. Got a few of them on this one. Uh, not a whole lot, but we got a few. Like uh, Matthew T. Ryan. I like that you had to put it in the initial. Matthew T. Ryan. Not the Matthew Tryon. Don't don't be fucking lumping me with them other Matt Ryans. Those guys are dicks. <laughs> Unlike me. On February 3rd, 2001. Woo-woo. One star poopy. <laughs> the next installment was really bad. I really didn't like the actors or the plot. It got really boring at the part where Alice was driving in circles. So when he says the next installment, is he talking about part five or is he talking about this movie? I I don't know. I was assuming he was getting at how part five was bad. Assuming is the mother of all fuck-ups. Yes. But he didn't like the... uh, (laughs) I mean, we use that all the time when we we forget something and have to double back to the house or whatever. Like, (laughs) I have to hurry. I'm driving. (laughs) <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> um, I would have loved to have seen that reaction also in theaters for the first time. Like people like the fucking thing loop. Like, mm-hmm. did we did we just see this? What's happening? What's going on? I think you're. I think the tape's broke. That projectionist must be high. I'm high, man. I was high. <laughs> he must have been doing that Mary Juana. Did you hear something? No, but I smell something. I was waiting for must have been nothing. Must have been nothing. (laughs) What? Now I'm seeing sitch, seeing shit. Too much blow, man. Seeing Tammy Lynn sitch. Not anymore. She's back in jail. Spoiler. Back in jail. All right. Next up, it's uh, Azine Monroe. All right. On July 5th, 2002. One star, bad movie. What a mockery of the original! This movie was so pathetic. The story was so laid out with no detail. What happened to Wes Craven's masterpiece? Do not buy this! Thing! This was not supposed to be a Freddy movie. Believe me. (laughs) Wow, okay. Yeah. It is different from uh, Wes Craven's film for sure, but I mean, I mean we already talked about, we it, talked about that. Like, yeah, yeah. Just rewind like an hour, and you'll get all that explanation. Yeah. Uh, Azine Monroe. <laughs> next on next on the list is a uh, UU Metal. April fourteenth, two thousand and six. UU Metal says one star. Not that good. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the series, but this is the worst of all of them. Wow. All right. You, you metal. No, no here. 
<laughs> and to wrap up the one stars for our Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4, the Dream Master, we have N. Malcolm. Just the letter N. Malcolm. We're not in oh. Malcolm. We're inside say, Malcolm. It's warm in here. Yeah. Malcolm is the warmest place to hide. Squishy. But on July 25th, 2006, oh, gosh, it's weird to say, almost retro one-star reviews today. Uh, but he says one star. What? You know, if I really wanted to, I could take a dump on film and it'd be better than this. Does he have more to say or is that it? No. I mean, where else do you go? And then I could take a shit on, which I'm sure he means like he could film himself taking a shit. And it'd be better, but I really, honestly, when I read that, I picture him just like unspooling a roll of film and taking a shit on actual boom, film. Boom, booming on it. Uh, those are my least favorite types of reviews because I'm like, <laughs> go do it. Shut the fuck up. This dude had to go get on the internet to be like, man, I could do better. Well, do it. I hate that. I fucking hate that like approach to, that's the only type of Amazon review I don't like. I get really mad at that person who's like, well, I could do this better. And then I just just fucking do it then. That's a Bart Simpson thing. I could do that, but I don't want to. Yeah, but I don't want to. <laughs> the bet. That is the conclusion. Al, quit it. <laughs> that is all the Amazon one stars for A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4. Not too bad, but uh, some harsh ones in there. Shitting on yeah. film. The last one really got my dander up. It's going to stick in your crawl. Yeah. As they say, done did stuck in my crawl. But uh, now that we're done with the Amazon one-star reviews, Evil, what does that mean? Uh, it's time to throw on the Dramarama, grab your nunchucks, stand in front of a big flag of Japan, because it's time to play the game. It's time to play the game. Time to play the game. It's all about the game, and how you play it. Take that motherfucker! <laughs> yes, that's right. It is time to play the prop game. And if you're new to the Deep Cut podcast, welcome. Allow me to explain what the prop game is. The prop game is a deep cut in and of itself where you have to pick a prop from said film that we are discussing, but it cannot be the most obvious prop. So, again, this is the Elm Street franchise. Do not pick... Freddy's glove, Freddy's hat, Freddy's sweater. That's bullshit. That's a cop-out. You're listening to the Deep Cut Podcast, so you must, and I mean must, pick a prop that's off the beaten track. You have to pick a deep cut prop. Go deep or go home. Or get out. Get go out. deep or get fucked. <laughs> get fucked deep. Wait. Holy shit. Oh, off the rails. Crucifix deep. What? Call back to the Exorcist live stream. Deep cut. Deep cunts. Oh. Ayo. That was some Andrew Dice Clay O's right there. But uh, <laughs> we already brought it up. Evil and I each own props from this movie. So see you in two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, we're done. <laughs> we did this earlier. All right. Well, uh, that concludes this week for... <laughs> Just kidding. Um... Well, dude, you brought it up numerous times, and I think that the only route that I want to go is the fucking, like, I'm going to get kicked out of school for bringing this bug zapper. <laughs> I mean, 
Nothing wrong with it. I'm sure. I think it runs on 4D batteries, probably. The the only other thing that I really, really want from this film is uh, Rick's headband. Eh, that's not bad. So, I, you know what? Yeah, I'll, I'll go with Rick's headband. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, karate. <laughs> or Rick's headband. Why? Karate time. I bought one off of Amazon when we did our spoof of Drama Rama. Oh yes, go to our music video section of uh, YouTube and watch our our, our Nightmare on Elm Street Four uh, dedication music video. Good shit. Where where we exercise? <laughs> yeah, first first I've done in a long time. Normally I just do these twelve ounce curls uh, on the live stream, but uh, I was torn on a couple of things. Uh, initially, the first thing I thought of that that'd be cool to take is the tape. That Alice is watching of all of them just hanging out at the water fountain. Listening you need to sh- that because that's more behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, I, I do. But if I'm a, but if I didn't go with that, I was like the first. The other thing that was like ah, that'd be amusing to take. Give me uh <laughs> give me Alice's aquarium soaked shoe. Nice. Just the uh, the aquarium with the shoe in it. <laughs> no, I just want the shoe just in its own like just in its own thing. Like if you if you get close and smell it, you can smell like the old dank water from the from the tank in there. There might be a goldfish <laughs> still inside the shoe. At least a few pebbles. I want Bob Shay's like pointer stick. <laughs> He's pointing at the. <laughs> <laughs> he is such like a worn the fuck down teacher, man. Like. Yeah, he has this one a throwaway scene where he's the, like a history teacher, and he just is like, he's three classes away from jumping off the roof of this building. You know who uh, he reminds me of in this movie? He reminds me of like he's doing a Ben Stein impression. Dry uh, red eyes. Like he's really <laughs> trying to do that. Bueller. Yeah. Bueller. That really unenergetic. Just tired voice. I mean, when he's having a real bad day, he's kind of like Ted from Scrubs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Like he's on the roof, oh, like man. one foot sticking out over, and he's like, go ahead, Bob, take all the time you need. <laughs> 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 and the principal's down there like, you're going to do it, Mr. Shea. You ain't got enough guts. <laughs> I don't want to think about him. Man, I'm going to be all sad all day. <laughs> Well, about Bob Shea or Ted? Ted from Scrubs, man. Ted is the shit, man. Spoiler, spoiler alert, I was super late to the Scrubs party. I pushed him into it. And Evil was like, you've really got to watch Scrubs. We are like Turk and JD. So, um, and and oddly enough, you let me borrow all the seasons, and I <laughs> still didn't get to them. I watched a little bit of season one, and then I was like, I've had your seasons for far too long. Have them back. And then I stumbled across all the seasons on Amazon Prime, watched them, and then I really fell in love with Ted. And then out of nowhere, Evil just shoots my plane down and tells me, you know, to make it even more depressing, he died. He died of cancer. Ted's dead, man. Ted's dead. And that sucks. That really sucks because he's a super talented, funny guy, very talented musically. And uh, now anytime I've got a bunch of his songs downloaded, and when I listen to them, I'm always happy. And then when they end, I'm like, sad. <laughs> We're a worthless peons fan for life. <laughs> yes, I really am. Oh, my chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, we have, like, a part, of the, part of his character trait has uh, become, like, uh, interwoven in real life for me because we have... Uh, uh, 
have a daughter when she's having a rough kind of day and she gets kind of mopey and shit. I call I like oh you turned into sad sack and that's totally what they call like sad. Ted is our hospital sad sack. Really? Aww. Aww. Why do you why do you have a smiley face sticker <laughs> and, and a revolver in your lunchbox? One's for when I'm sad and one's for when I'm really sad. I much prefer when Dr. Cox knocks over his huge stack of papers and he's like, hey, say, Teddy, all these pages are blank. And he's like, shh, I have to look busy. <laughs> like, oh, that's oh, my sorry. dream job is carrying a bunch of shit just pretending to be busy. <laughs> he's so good. Um... Well, that, welcome to the Scrubs podcast, where we've, right. we've abandoned Elm Street entirely. We're just going to do a play-by-play of every episode of Scrubs. We're coming for you, uh, best friend, uh, fake doctor's real friends podcast. We're coming for you. Wow, didn't know that was a thing. Might have to listen to it. Um, yeah, totally a thing. Yeah. Turk and JD are are have their own podcast, fake doctor's what? real friends, and they what? review episodes of the show with special guests. That. Wow. All right. Well, my life is just, I just took another U-turn. I'm about to go. <laughs> oh, Lord has it. You, uh, spoiler, you will love when the, uh, when Bill Lawrence, the show, showrunner creator has his guest spots on it. Maybe the best episodes are when he is one of the guest stars. Nice. I'm pumped. Well, now I just, I know what I'm doing with the rest of my day. That's not true. I'm going to go see Scream in about two hours. <laughs> that podcast and- also informed me that, uh, that, uh, Johnny C refers to his, his private area as his, as his uh, power source. Nice. I think we all do, right? That's. I got hit right in my power source. <laughs> Some of them are, uh, you know, a, a little more, more dim than others, but. <laughs> <laughs> Some, yeah, it's its own its own field. Like it's Bucky getting thrown into a into a whole circuit breaker and. Some it's just a little light switch, just a think little Christmas light. Maybe yeah. it's a clapper. It's on. Uh, and speaking of on, on that note, uh, I suppose we should probably get going because after all, there's a lot of movies out there and somebody's got to watch them. So why not us, right? Well, gotta go. Good night. <laughs>